Al Jazeera podcast. The fence that blockades Gaza from Israel is six meters tall. It's covered in sharp wire. And it's heavily surveilled. It's been the site of countless protests and escalations of violence. This is the moment that Palestinians bulldoze through it. The 7th of October, 2023, when Hamas's attack on Israel shocked the world. A barrage of rockets, followed by an incursion by Hamas fighters that caught Israel almost completely by surprise. For Israelis on the other side of that fence, it was the Sabbath at the end of a week-long holiday. But in just hours, their world, as they knew it, had changed. I'm Malika Bilal, and this is The Take. As we record on Sunday, the Israeli death toll from the attack is at least 600, and Hamas fighters have taken dozens of hostages into Gaza. Israel has declared war, but on Sunday still had not regained control over all towns and villages attacked by Hamas. In Gaza, over 300 Palestinians have already been killed. We heard from Al Jazeera correspondents in both Gaza and southern Israel, starting with Rob Reynolds who got there as it unfolded. We are in Ashkelon, which is quite close to the border with Gaza, and there are uh, police and military checkpoints here uh, set up to prevent people from going towards Gaza and coming out. Uh, This area is also close to those towns and villages which have been taken over by Hamas fighters. We have heard uh, reports of uh, the Israeli civilians who live in those towns and villages uh, sending text messages and, and speaking on social media saying that Hamas fighters are in their homes and begging for help, begging for someone to come and rescue them. Uh, we've also seen from this vantage point uh, several uh, incoming missile strikes. You can see the contrails of missiles arcing through the sky. Occasionally then most of them being uh, detonated and shot down by the Israeli uh, so-called Iron Dome uh, anti-aircraft, anti-missile defense system. But some of them do uh, reach uh, this area here around Ashkelon, and there are several fires burning that we can see and uh, we can certainly smell. There's a a haze of smoke all over this area. Uh, So this is... uh, Uh, a spot where it's all sort of visible in context of this war which has started uh, and which will end in a manner that no one can be certain of. In Gaza, Al Jazeera producer Safwat Al-Kahlout explained the surprise on Saturday. Look, everything started like 5.30 a.m. And at this time, most of the people in Gaza are awake and preparing their kids for school, preparing themselves for, uh, you know, to go to their uh, jobs, etc., etc. 
uh, and suddenly a huge explosions broke out or broke the silence of the dawn and like shocked every Gazans. The amount of rockets that was fired from Gaza at this time, you know, was uh, carried a different indication for the population. There is that there is something big happening. Safwa told us that in recent days, the cycle of events had indicated that Hamas would likely take action. We started to understand that this like a big plan by the fighting groups uh, in Gaza. And in the previous few days, there were lots of indications or let's say um, threats by uh, the fighting groups in Gaza uh, against uh, or in response to the Israeli or Jewish provocations in Al-Aqsa Mosque and against the Israeli new hard procedures that they are taking uh, against the Palestinian prisoners. And we know that these are uh, the major two red lines that if the Israelis exceed, then we, will, the, we can expect escalation. Back in southern Israel, we caught up with Al Jazeera correspondent Hoda Abdel Hamid. She was in transit when we talked to her, so you'll hear some background noise. Hoda, thank you so much for taking the time. Are you safe? Where, where, where are you right now? I am in a car at the moment. And actually, as I'm speaking to you right now, I can see some rocket uh, or some flares in the sky. I won't be able to tell you exactly what it is, mm. but I have seen a few right now just going overhead. We are in a safe location as much as it can be, um, but certainly we do hear uh, on a regular basis explosions, whether it's outgoing artillery or incoming rockets or even the interception of the Iron Dome. Uh, so it's certainly a location where you do feel the intensity of the situation, even though uh, definitely not as intense as it is right now inside Gaza. Okay, so we will not take up too much of your time. But as you mentioned, you are reporting for Al Jazeera in southern Israel, and that's where Hamas has carried out this attack from Gaza into Israel that's never been seen before, the scale of it. Give me a sense of how unprecedented this is. I mean, you know, I arrived here last night, and every person I have been speaking to since I landed in Tel Aviv is saying the same thing, that they can't believe that this is actually real. This multi-pronged attack from six different points along this fence that is considered to be a highly secured fence that separates southern Israel from Gaza, and this sort of multi-pronged, bold attack that took Israel so by surprise. Anyone I speak to, whether it's Palestinian or Israeli, is completely shocked uh, that that could happen in at such a scale. And we still don't know the full story. We still don't know how it happened, what was used, how many fighters from Hamas crossed into Israel, how many people died in all of this. How did it all happen? People are absolutely shocked. Even those pictures of the fighters, you know, by air in paragliders landing in southern Israel, all of that is 
has taken absolutely everyone by surprise. I would say not only the government, the security apparatus, but people. Everyone is talking about this. Now, there are many, many, many layers in this story, and I think we're just peeling the beginning of it at the moment. Hoda has been to this secured fence separating southern Israel from Gaza before. The last time, she said, was a few years ago, when protests at the Gaza fence were happening regularly. Hoda was there the day the U.S. embassy moved from Tel Aviv to Jerusalem. And it was a very bloody day, she told me, with protests along the perimeter. But what she recalls most was how secure that fence area was. Anyone who got close would be targeted by snipers, she said. Tear gas would fall from overhead. And it made the breach of that fence on Saturday all the more surprising. And I think probably for a lot of people, this idea that the Israeli army was invincible has probably crumbled uh, over the past 24 hours. Hoda, you mentioned that you've been talking to Israelis and there is shock amongst the people that you've been talking to. What do people make of how this played out? The attack at a music festival in the desert in southern Israel, the hostages that were taken, the bodies we've seen on video. How are people reacting to all of that? I think at the moment you have a country in shock, you have a country in solidarity. Certainly those videos would have horrified many an Israeli uh, because they were quite graphic. Uh, some of them are actually difficult to watch and to w- witness no matter what side you're on. When they first crossed the fence, it was, as I said, a multi-pronged attack. So they crossed from what we know as of now, from six different points along that fence. And they went into communities, into small towns that are all along that fence here in southern Israel. The first targeting, I think, where was from what we, we know at the moment, and obviously the exact timeline is still not clear, but they certainly did uh, target Israeli soldiers. You do see videos of these Hamas fighters on top of uh, Israeli tanks. You see them also uh, uh Uh, capturing uh, soldiers, uh, quite a substantial number. We don't know exactly how many at this point, but some say at least 50, if not more. And apparently these soldiers would be the regular soldier, but also some of the uh, higher command. Uh, We also see uh, them roaming around the streets. Uh, We see them also capturing some Uh, civilians uh, and taking them, walking them across uh, the the fields into Gaza. That gives you an idea of how close all that is. is. It's really two enemies living in such a close uh, proximity. Uh, And then I saw also videos of this, a number of paragliders arriving at this rave party that was happening. Uh, From what we understand, those who were at the rave party didn't really realize what was happening until it was too late. We see also Hamas soldiers roaming inside uh, Israeli military camps. I think they took a lot of uh, soldiers by surprise. It was six o'clock in the morning. Many of them were sleeping. Uh, You can see many of them are not in their uh, military uh, fatigue. Uh, so, and you can see them that they look haggard and not being able to make 
sense of exactly what is happening because I get the impression that things unfolded so quickly. But this is all from the snippets of videos that have emerged that you see here and there. And many continue to emerge uh, by the hour, really. After the break, the decades of occupation and blockade that led up to this and the Israelis' response so far. Get your news in less than three minutes, three times per day with the Al Jazeera News Updates. Just ask your home device to play the news by Al Jazeera or subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. So, Hoda, Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu has said, we are at war and we will win it. What can you tell us about the Israeli response that's in the works? Well, we don't have any details about it. Uh, what I can tell you now, just by standing here, certainly um, there is uh, outgoing fire from where I am in southern Israel towards Gaza. We have seen major airstrikes uh, overnight last night, and we're probably expecting more of that happening tonight in Gaza. But we haven't still seen that full-scale uh, operation or that uh, a war he is talking about. Now, you know, everybody's having this conversation. Will there be a full-scale invasion? Will Israel want to reoccupy Gaza or not? Will it want to just have an incursion and come out? Uh, we don't know. But anyone we talk to, especially on the Palestinian side, would tell you, make no mistake, the response will be ferocious. But when that will start, they still don't know. Prime Minister Netanyahu actually also told Palestinians to leave. Now, he was probably wanting to up the ante to show that he was serious, to show that it is going to be very dangerous and very it's going to be a real blow uh, to Gaza and to anyone living there. But the question is, where do Palestinians go? Palestinians are not... Ukrainian refugees that could just drive or take a train to a border and be welcomed on the other side of the border. Palestinians are closed in that Gaza Strip and they have been closed like that for the past 16 years and they have nowhere to go. They certainly can't come to the Israeli side and at the moment also on the Egyptian side at the border is closed. So they don't really have anywhere to go. Was this a massive intelligence failure? Because earlier you were talking about Israel's sophisticated intelligence and um, the devices and techniques and everything it uses. How did it miss this? Well, that is the question that is on everyone's lips. It is a massive intelligence failure. Uh, I was actually asking uh, my producer here working with me uh, about what is being discussed on uh, in you know on the Israeli television in the talk shows and the conversation for the last 24 hours is about how could this happen how could such a bold operation which probably took months and months of preparation uh, happen considering that, again, you need to put it into context that Gaza is this closed area that is, you know, 
at any time of the day or the night, whether it's during times of tension or during times of calm, you do have drones flying over that enclave. Everything is usually under continuous surveillance by the Israelis' movement of, uh, you know, the Hamas leaders. They are being constantly monitored. They Sometimes they also get targeted by drone attacks. So all that crumbled. The surveillance system, the, 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 you know, was jammed. The electronic system on that fence was jammed according to what we're hearing at the moment. And that's how Hamas managed to infiltrate into Israel. It is a massive intelligence failure. It is a massive military failure. And it is also a massive political failure. This is also a message from the Palestinians saying, no matter what you do at your political level, we still exist. And now we can show you no one believed us. We have been warning you that we are getting stronger and stronger and one day we will hurt Israel. And this is exactly what happened this time. You know, at a certain point, people are shocked about the extent of Hamas's attack the boldness of it, how well it was organized and coordinated and how successful it was. But if you push them a little further, they're not surprised about the essence of the attack in the sense that Palestinians have been growing under so much pressure and that pressure becoming more and more uh, unbearable year after year that at some point it was going to explode. And this is what we've seen. Whether it's this war or another, do you think war is what will end this occupation? I don't think any war ends uh, without a political process. Now, to what extent do you want to push this war? Uh, what are the capabilities of either side? How sustainable it is to either side? Who else will get involved in this war, if anyone? Uh, there's a lot of, you know, questions up in the air at this point. Uh, but anyway, there is no conflict that has ever ended without a political solution. When it comes to this conflict, there have been political solutions in the past. There has been the Oslo Agreement, which was supposed to usher in a new era of you know, in the relationship between the two sides. But things have gotten worse and worse for Palestinians ever since that Oslo Agreement. And it's been years I hear young people saying, I haven't seen any fruit from this uh, you know, piece of paper that was signed that didn't bring us anything else. Convincing Palestinians that the political process is the way forward at this particular time is very difficult because by and large the population here is very young and has not seen peace and does not know what peace means. Oda, thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us in the middle of your reporting. I really appreciate it. Pleasure. And that's The Take. We'll be back with more soon. This episode was produced by Alexandra Locke and Khalid Sultan, with Siri Al-Khalili, Zaina Bezer, Ashish Malhotra, Berenice Campana, Chloe K. Lee, Amy Walters, David Enders, Miranda Lynn, Sonia Bagat, and me, Malika Bilal. Alex Roldan is our sound designer. Alexandra Locke is The Take's executive producer, and Ney Alvarez is Al Jazeera's head of audio.